listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. The other day, I was working with a coaching client, and at the end of our session, the person said, so after all this time, do you really still believe in marriage? And I sat there for a minute, and I had to kind of check my response, because my immediate response is to say, yes, of course I do, but I wanted to be a little more thoughtful about what the person meant. You know, I'd I'd kind of jokingly say when somebody says, I don't believe in something, you know, sometimes I'll say, well, you know, believe I've seen it. Right. So, of course, I believe in it. So the same with marriage. Do I believe in marriage? Of course, because I've seen it. In fact, I'm married and I grew up with married parents. And so that's kind of my light response. But I started thinking about this because, after all, as this person pointed out, you know, about 50% of marriages fail. I mean, that's that's close to the statistics. A little bit more than 50% succe- succeed. So we're at a better than 50-50 chance, only slightly, but still a better than 50-50 chance of staying married. There's also the question of how many married couples are actually happy in their marriage. And that's a, that's a more interesting and, and probably uh, an unknown question because we have a hard time assessing happiness for anything. When we try to test for happiness, it's very difficult even for an individual, much less about people. So we often look at satisfaction with marriage. Sure, there are a lot of people who are still married, but might not be fully satisfied in their relationship. And so that's kind of tough for us to assess where that exists, whether a lot more people are who survive in their marriage are happy than unhappy. We just don't know. And even if we did, I think that still points to another piece of the question. So why do I stick with it? Why do I keep doing this? At this point, I've been working with marriages for coming up on three decades. At this point, I've been married for a little over three decades. And I also have been in a family, watching my family, the marriages in my family, for a lot longer than that. I grew up as a child watching that in my own family. That's kind of what sparked my interest early on. So why do I stick with it? Well, same kind of reason I do lots of other things. For instance, you could ask the question, do I, do I believe in democracy? Now, I will admit that there are, even today, and especially perhaps today, major struggles with democracy and how democracy operates and what the benefits are, what the, the kind of the shortcomings are. But overall, even though there are certainly winners and losers in the democracy game, do I believe in democracy? Yes. The ideal of that? Absolutely. Do I believe that we meet, might need to tweak things and change things and challenge things? Yes, Absolutely. But overall, I still believe in it. I really don't like many of the other alternatives. And so in some ways, that's where you still hold faith in something because there's not anything better. As imperfect as something is, is there an opportunity of making it perfect rather than just dismissing with it and getting rid of it? And that's kind of where I land with lots of things. For instance, books. It's very disheartening for an author to think about how few people buy their books and how few people finish their books. Now, if you look at maybe the top one, two, maybe 3% of books, sure, they sell a whole lot of copies. 
the rest of us authors are making sure that we're doing everything we can for people to hear about our books because we obviously believe in them. They're kind of our babies. We've created them. And so I know the statistics. I know how many books are put out every year. I know how many books are sold every year. And I also know the small percentage of people that actually make it to the end of a book. And yet I still write books because I think that books are important. They're important for us to have a resource. I mean, you go into a store and it's a bookstore with all the books around. And all I do when I look in and say, man, look at the opportunities for learning and look at the opportunities of seeing a different approach of learning something new of different of changing your life all based in there. I've had enough people tell me about a book, sometimes even my book, that has changed their life, changed their outlook, changed their life. I've had people tell me about the riches they've created because they read something in somebody else's book. I've read, I've heard about people talking about how they've gained from learning about relationships or thriving in my books, enough to know that books are important. So I still believe in writing books in spite of the kind of overwhelming odds of that. Or let's talk about one that's even more basic, one where there's 100% that it ends at some point. And that's life, right? You and I both know on some level that everybody who's alive, 100% of people are going to die. 100% of people are going to die. There is a 100% mortality rate in living. And yet we keep on living, right? We keep on moving forward. Uh, And so when we're continuing to believe in life in spite of that deadline, why do we do that? That's well, because we still can find meaning in it and we can make the most of a life. So even though there are times when there are overwhelming odds of something, we often can still believe in it. We often find importance in it. When I was a chaplain years ago at the beginning of my career, I sat with lots of people who were faced with pretty big odds of surviving. And the interesting thing is, no one ever said, you know, I don't believe in living anymore. Even if they chose not to pursue some extraordinary measure, it's not that they lost faith in living. They just knew that they were at the end of that. But I noticed how many people, given the chances, were willing to pursue even a slim chance to extend their life. That led me to understand that we all can believe in things and push for things, even when the odds are stacked against us. So that brings us back to the whole thing of marriage. You see, the problem is not in the relationship of marriage. It's in how we do marriage. Marriage has existed for millennia in various forms, sometimes maybe in ways that needed to be transformed along the way. And I would even say that even today's marriages, we need to transform how we go about that. But the enduring rubric of families in the world is within a family structure that includes marriage. So even as marriages continue to transform, it still is the building block of a family. And many times, even when a marriage has failed, it has created a family. It has created a lot of structure for the people in it. Now, the question is, can we do better? And I think that's the bigger question. 
It's not whether I believe in marriage, but do I believe that we can do better in marriage? And I absolutely do. So here's the problem I see. The problem is not with marriage itself, but how we do it, as I said. One of the things that I think is a problem is we throw people into marriage. You probably did not get a lot of help in your preparation for marriage. How do I know? Well, because I existed in that, that system for a long time. My office as a pastoral counselor was right beside a church. And in that place, I saw people who were getting ready to get married within uh, at 1.7 churches around us. And anybody who was getting married had to come see me for three sessions. I would have loved to have seen them for more, but that's about all you can make people commit to when they think that everything is going well. And that was one of my things that I noticed. When people came to my office for premarital counseling, they thought they had it figured out. So part of our time together was lost on them because they weren't looking for the problems. They were sure that they had built, uh, beat the odds. That's kind of how we all feel. You know, of course, when I was getting married, I felt like we had figured it out. And then we learned along the way how little we had. We throw people into marriage with minimal training. Sometimes people go away for a weekend because some church or somebody has recommended that happen, or maybe they get a little counseling, or maybe they read a book or something like that. Maybe they went to a seminar. But again, we start the relationship thinking we have figured this out. We don't figure out that we haven't figured it out for a while after that. One of the things that we haven't figured out is that what the nature of marriage is. We don't have an understanding of that. We don't, in common knowledge, know that marriage is about building a we. A lot of times people think it's just you and me, right? You and I are going to have this life together, you and me. And we don't make this transformation over to we, a sense that we are in this together. We're a team. Not only that, but we don't even know how to do that. If somebody has talked about that, we don't even know the reality of how to build that as individuals going into a marriage. And because of that not having an understanding, the you and me that goes into a marriage often kind of transforms into a you versus me along the way. Somewhere in the midst of all of that, we get stuck. And because of that lack of understanding, we also make another mistake. We fail to prioritize the relationship. What I notice when people are dating is that they make that relationship a priority. They want to be with the other person. They want to show their love for the other person. They want to keep building their relationship. Then they get married and life ends up throwing them some other priorities. And because they don't realize they have to keep building and have to stay in contact, or, or I would say a little bit differently, they get to keep building and staying in contact with this other person. But because they don't prioritize, other things get in the way. The fact is that if we're not intentional about certain things in our life, it doesn't happen. You know, if you're not intentional about exercising, it's real easy to push that off to another thing. Or if you're not intentional about eating well, when something good comes in front of you, you choose that instead. And the same with the relationship. If you don't prioritize that relationship, life gets in the way. Parenting or job or hobbies or friends or social activities or lots of other things that can get in the way. And we don't notice it until it's already chewed away at the base of the relationship. The other thing that we don't seem to notice it about a marriage is our natural propensity in life to stagnate and disconnect if we don't know differently. 
most people begin to stagnate sometime in adulthood. We try out lots of new things when we're younger. Maybe during uh, college, you explored lots of different viewpoints. Maybe as a young adult, you traveled or tried lots of different foods and different music and lots of other things. But along the way, we kind of find our groove and that groove becomes deeper and deeper until it's a canyon that we stay within. The problem is that we as humans, life in general is about growth all around us. I mean, we just look around us, we're surrounded by growth, and then we forget that that applies to us too. And so humans often tend to stagnate by accident. I had someone who once contacted me and said, you've got to talk with my spouse. My spouse says that I've changed, and I keep telling them that I haven't changed. I'm trying to prove that I haven't changed. And I said, shame on you if you haven't changed. You've missed an opportunity to change. So we stagnate, and we also disconnect. We hit the pause button, as I talk about, and because of that, that disconnection can grow because relationships don't exist in a pause. Just like we, when we stagnate, we're not just stuck at one point. We're actually receding. There is no pause in life. We're either growing or receding. That's the only two ways we go. It's true in relationships. It's true in our personal life. Because we don't know that, we tend to get stuck. Now, let me be very clear. I have had the opportunity, maybe the fortune, to see both sides of this equation. In my childhood, I watched as other family members divorced and had conflictual relationships, and I watched the damage that was done on my cousins. I watched how they struggled uh, in, in their own times. Now, that doesn't mean they didn't have a chance at being successful. It just meant that they had a bit of uh, a climb to make. Then I watched my other family members where there were successful marriages, and I watched what happened in that and the support and love that was a result of that and watched it in my own life. My parents uh, have now been married uh, coming up on 58 years. In fact, I just uh, oh, last weekend, I had the chance of interviewing them for our new Relationship Rewrite program, and it was a joy to talk with them, not because they could tell me that life had never been difficult or their relationship had never had struggles, but because they had chosen to overcome them. And part of what they watched was their family members, their siblings, as they struggled in their marriage. And so I've seen both sides of what happens when a marriage is successful and strong and what happens when a marriage is not successful and fails. And so that leads me to the place of asking Not do I believe in it, but what can we do better? The question is not about believing in or not believing in marriage, but can it be transformed? Can the way we face marriage be transformed? I've become committed to the fact over the years that marriages can be saved and rebuilt. And also that marriages can be built correctly from the beginning in a way that makes them, as I talked about in our last podcast anti-fragile. So many marriages get to the place when they start that they are just fragile and the people are trying to keep anything from coming their way. And the fact is that they need to be anti-fragile, that we need to know how to take on the struggles and figure out how to grow through the difficulties in order to get to the place we want to be. So how do we do that? Well, first, there is an individual piece to this. And second, there's a corporate piece, a bigger piece to this puzzle. What's needed is a knowledge of the nature of marriage. 
My Save the Marriage system has been out for a number of years. It's, I've updated it and edited and added to over the years to make sure that it is my latest thinking, and I keep improving that and, in fact, have a whole new program that's coming out soon uh, that is going to be built on a lot of a bigger foundation than the Save the Marriage system. But it does reflect what I believe to be the nature of marriage. Many times when people have gone through my program, they're their question to me is, why isn't it required reading for everybody getting married? If people just knew what they were building towards, even if they felt like they had built the statistics or beat the statistics, they would have something to build from. They would know how to get to that next place. So what's needed first is a basic knowledge of the nature of marriage. So you know what you're moving towards. One of the worst things is when we don't know what we're moving towards. Think about if you just got in your car one day, because my wife and I have done this and said, okay, where are we going to go? And you have a long discussion trying to even figure out where you're going to go. This happened a couple of times over uh, dinners and we got in the car and we're like, okay, we'll go get something to eat. What do you want? I don't know. What do you want? I don't know. What do you want? And we would sit there kind of stuck, right? We couldn't even begin our journey because we didn't know where we were going. Think about if you did that on a grander scale. Let's say you decided to go on vacation. So you pack some stuff. You don't even know what weather you're going to face, but you pack it anyway and you jump in your car and you say, okay, where are we going to go? You just wonder how that's going to go. You're not prepared. Don't know where you're headed. Don't know what roads to take. Don't even know what to punch into your GPS. And so because of that, it's not likely to be the most productive. Now, my grandparents did something like that. They would say, hey, you know what? We're going to go. Here's how much money we have for our vacation. Let's divide it in half. They would roll up half the money and put it away. And the other half, they would go in a certain direction. But they chose the direction. And they would go as far as that money would take them. And they would turn around and come back on the rest of their money. That's a little bit different because they at least had a concept of where they were headed. And that's the beginning point of this, at least having a concept If people know that what they're trying to do is build a we and what that requires, it changes the ballgame for people at the very beginning of the process. So knowledge of the nature of marriage is a crucial piece. The second piece is that people need tools of growth, both for their relationship and for themselves. If we don't know how to grow, we're not going to. If one day you say, hey, I want to get in shape, thinking that a whole lot isn't going to do it. Finding a plan for how to do it is going to help you do that, whether it's some type of exercise and diet or whatever it is that you're going to change, having a game plan gets you there. So we have to have those tools of growth. And we also have to have tools of recovery. How do we dig out when we're in trouble? What do we do in order to get back on the path? Those three pieces, I think, are crucial for our changing where we are. So it's not about believing in marriage. It's about understanding how to transform marriage, how to get marriage to the place where we would protect it at all costs, where it's valued, where it has meaning for us and where it's working for us. Now, that brings me to one point. Can all marriages be saved? The answer is honestly, no. We are never going to get to that place where every marriage can be saved. Sometimes somebody has something, either they're unwilling to move towards something new or they have something in the way. Sometimes people are not able to get beyond their own woundedness. Sometimes people are abusive. Some people have ill intent already on their mind. And so in that, they can't create a relationship. 
So one of the dangers is a lot of times people ask me, so you think every marriage can be saved? And I say, absolutely not. In fact, if you're in a, an abusive relationship, don't even try. Don't even use my material. Please don't even buy my program. I don't want people to work on restoring a, a relationship that is abusive. I want them to get themselves safe. So the question is not so much, can all be saved? But can we fix more than we currently are? And can we stop the troubles before they even begin? And the answer to that is yes, absolutely. We kind of sometimes get stuck in this dichotomy, right? Like all or nothing, when it's really all or more. But this is where it becomes much more personal. You're not likely to have found my podcast just because you're kind of curious about this. It's not most people's hobbies to listen to podcasts or information on how to save their marriage. You're likely to be doing it because this is about your relationship. It's not about all relationships, but about your relationship. It's not about can more be saved, but can your relationship be saved? That's where this begins to be incredibly important because you know what you want. You know what's important to you. You have to start with where you are and with what you have in front of you. And I believe that that starts with people being able to say, you know what, I've got a, I've got a commitment here. This, this is something that's important to me. I have a commitment to this relationship and I can figure out the relationship and I can figure out the growth. If that's the case, then it's a matter of finding the right tools. Then it's a matter of getting started. You got to get the tools and get started to see if your relationship can be saved. And that's the thing that I've noticed over time. When people are asking, can my relationship be saved? The answer is you only will discover that by trying. But if you want to save your relationship, you have a lot better chance of doing that if you try. If you give up at the beginning, no, it can't be saved. I mean, relatively speaking, it's very difficult to save a relationship if both of you are choosing to not work on it. But if one of you can begin the process, then both of you might at some point join that process and move to something better. And the only way to tell is by taking action. So back to my, the original question, how do I believe in marriage? Because I've seen them changed. Why do I continue? Because I think that the tools are there. The understanding is there. The capacity is there for people to transform their relationship. If you haven't grabbed my Save the Marriage system, please start there. The Save the Marriage system gives you a core understanding of what a marriage is about, of why marriages get into trouble, and how you work to rebuild it. Save the Marriage System has been used by tens of thousands of people around the world. It's been used successfully by many people just using that in order to transform their relationship. If you need more than that, we have some extra bonuses to help you. For instance, I give you a free week of my VIP virtual coaching program just by asking for it when you're uh, offered it in, in the process of grabbing my system. And I also give you a session with one of my relationship coaches. It's a get started session, quick session to make sure you're getting started the best you can. That's just part of the system because we want to make sure you have the resources you need to get started. 
so this is the place where you have to ask the question instead of do I believe in marriage is do I believe that I might be able to do something to make my marriage better? I'd like to be a part of that. I'd love to join you in that. That's part of the reason that I keep doing the Save the Marriage podcast is to make sure that people have the information they have, some basic core pieces, and an understanding of the next step. The next step is literally going to savethemarriage.com and grabbing the Save the Marriage system. Go to savethemarriage.com now, grab my system, and get started. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.